just don't give up. Just don't stop. If you're an entrepreneur at heart and your first one, two, ten things don't work, don't sell your soul and take the nine-to-five job and play it safe because it's just not who you are and you'll never be happy and you've just got to keep trying till you crack it. Welcome to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew, your home to learn all things funding, scaling, talent, branding, and the billion-dollar dream. Finding out how to be a unicorn in a field of horses. Hear from industry founders and discover how to stand out to those who matter most to your business. With your host, tech startup fanatic, Belinda Agnew. Welcome to another episode with your host, Belinda Agnew on Startup and Unicorns. I am extremely excited about this episode because I got to speak to somebody quite famous. And I know I say this a lot about being excited for every single episode, but this one in particular, because this man has literally come from quite mediocre background, having gone through these hurdles in his life of, you know, being broke at early 30s, then going into the light of fame and and media and TV, and then coming out of that, building an amazing business called 28 by Sam Wood and The Woodshed, and recently having exited sold the business for $71 million to the DNA group. I mean, if that's not crazy to you, then I don't know. But it was an insane conversation and you must hear his story, his journey. We dive into how he was brought up by his father and how his father also had an entrepreneurial mind and the great run he had on The Bachelor in 2015. We go into that and how much that added to his success today and also having the first ever kids gym, which actually grew to about 30 franchises across Oz, which is also pretty insane. But I just want to get him on the show and I want you guys to listen. So I'm going to stop talking. So I'm going to welcome you, Mr. Sam Wood. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Sam. Absolute pleasure, Bea. I've uh, I've listened to many of your episodes, love your podcast, and it's a real thrill. I'm excited to talk about this. I feel like there's so much has happened in your life in the past few months. So I think it's going to be really good to, to talk about, which we mentioned earlier. But I'd like to jump in and I guess ask the question of who Sam Wood is versus what you do, because I feel like a lot of our childhood and our upbringings really define us as human beings and our success. So I'd really like to know a little bit about your upbringing what was your mum like? What was your dad like? What was your family like? Where did you live? What did your house look like? Tell us about that. Who was there sure, back then? Sure. Yeah, it's funny. It's um, it's absolutely shaped who I am. And I mean, I have such a unique situation, I guess, that my my current personality and my even my family is such a part of my business. You know, like we're so open and sort of transparent to all of our members about the life that we lead. And I, I feel like letting the fact that we let people in in such a real manner ha- has been such a huge part of our success with growing my 28 business that um, I often actually think about, well, particularly in the last five, six years, I often actually think about how important it has been, sort of how I was brought up to, to how that has actually helped with the success. So I'm a, I'm a Tassie boy. I grew up in Hobart. 
Oh, wow. Got a brother and a sister. Um, I'm the eldest of three and my dad, uh, my, my whole family still lives down in Tasmania. My mum, my mum passed away B when I was 15. So oh, I lost I my mum when I was 15, which was definitely the, the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through in my life. And, and, and speaking of sort of who I am today, I, I definitely think that played a, a major role in me, um, having to grow up quite quickly, you know, being 15 and having a 12-year-old sister and a nine-year-old brother. Um, and even at that time, my dad was a, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, I don't think, with how my dad is sort of wired. He's quite entrepreneurial. He's always had hospitality businesses. He was a total workaholic. And then when mum passed away, he sold his catering company, didn't work for three years and raised the three of us sort of, completely out of his depth playing mum and dad at the same time and really sort of getting to know us on a whole different level perhaps to what he already did. And I just, you know, something that I'm so grateful that he did and I admire him so much for doing that and him and I have a wonderful relationship and friendship now. But I don't know, there's there's always been something about seeing him do that and get out of his comfort zone and be raw and emotional and vulnerable and um and having so much admiration for how he how he was during that really hard time when it wasn't necessarily the person that we'd seen previously sort of a bit of an old school hard knocks type dad and that was very different to the dad we'd known for the for the sort of first 15 years of my life but so I definitely think that sort of shaped me a little bit as in I feel from an emotional intelligence perspective and, uh, and just being comfortable talking about my feelings, it sort of really accelerated that for me. Also, it was a very hard time to go through that I think being the eldest of three helped me to grow up. And then there's always been this thing with me that I've always just wanted to make my mum proud. You know, I think um, I, I, it's kind of weird and I've, I've said it often and lots of people have said lovely things that she would be proud. But, uh, yeah, even though that was whatever it is, 27 years ago now, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And, and yeah, always, always a little, I don't know, star in the sky or, you know, voice on my shoulder, keeping an eye on me and me wanting to sort of knowing that she's somewhere looking down and wanting to, uh, wanting to do a proud, that's for sure. But yeah, I, I, I just think being a Tassie boy and having a fairly simple, lovely family uh, upbringing has, has really helped me with my career from day one. Even being a personal trainer as a 20-year-old in Melbourne, I, I feel like not having preconceived ideas or not caring about crap like which school someone went to or not, you know, not worrying about that materialistic stuff and just yeah. sort of speaking to people based on whether I thought they were a good person or not and just being pretty pretty sort of goofy and raw and honest with people it really held me in good stead from a being able to connect to people perspective and and you know I sort of very quickly learnt that that's that's what gives you the edge in that personal training space you know everyone sort of knows the difference between the biceps and the abs and all that crap but if you can really connect with people on a personal level or an emotional level or even a psycho, psych, psychological level that's what differentiates you as a trainer and I definitely think that's been it been a huge part of my success just that ability to talk to people and connect to people but that's so interesting so like your mother had passed away and your dad had taken on the full role of 
of raising uh, you three three children. Yeah, um, which I know, yeah. I know seems crazy, yeah. but it, it was that was nineteen ninety five, and it, we mm-hmm. were in a very like dad goes to work, mum stays at home, you know, yeah. family environment. Mum had jobs before we were born, but she hadn't worked since we all came along. She was a full time mum, and. I mean, we literally spent every waking minute with her and dad was working 12, 14 hours a day and either came Mm. home grumpy or came home when we were in bed and we barely even saw him on the weekends because he had these catering businesses that did lots of events on the weekend. So outside of sort of a little patch of school holidays, we didn't spend a lot of time with dad. You know, we were really kids. So it was a a huge um, change in sort of how we were brought up and, and how my dad had to had to, uh, you know, really come up to speed really quickly. And, um, yeah, I mean, he he's super close to me, my brother and sister now, and uh, we all admire and, and have so much respect for him for what he did because he literally didn't go to work for three years. He just sold his business at 30 cents on the dollar because he had to wow. and uh, looked after us until the money ran out. That's amazing. What a dad. Yeah, he's a great. You must guy. be very, very close to him. Yeah, super close. So, um, with the dynamic though, like it's interesting to know your upbringing of of your father and yourself and and um, your siblings. Do you feel like now in your life, this is this is who you have become? Do you feel like you're kind of taking on the mum role sometimes or most of the time and, and the the provider and the entrepreneur and, you know, the famous Sam Wood and, you know, that guy. Like I, I feel like when you say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, there's something in that. Do you feel somewhat similar to your father? Uh, I think um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, in regards to the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I always knew I didn't want to work for other people. I wanted to work for myself and I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spark in me that, that I know I get from my dad. Mm-hmm. My uh, arrangement is I have an incredible wife who's the best mum ever and we have four beautiful girls and we both work but sort of very differently. But But mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I def, there's, there's definitely elements of that. Uh, to, to be honest, I sort of learned from, you know, I've, I've had many very real conversations with my dad, B, about how he regrets how little time he spent with us before mum died. And right. it almost was this tragedy that opened his eyes to perhaps what he was missing out on. And so I've always thought, oh, I don't want that to be me. And I'm so grateful that I have a job that mm. I don't even call it a job because I love it so much, but I'm so grateful that I'm in this position where, you know, like I was up at six o'clock this morning doing radio interviews, but then I can take the kids to the park at eight o'clock, you know, so there's, because it's school yeah. holidays. So that I, I love the flexibility that I'm afforded. I love that I get to spend, you know, probably far more time with my kids than most dads get to. Um and and I definitely think that comes from having those conversations with my dad and not wanting to necessarily go down that path and have those regrets. Yeah, and and when you say the entrepreneurial journey for you started at such a young age, what age do you think that happened for you? Where did the spark start? 
Well, I've, I've never had a boss. I mean, outside of, you know, maybe hospitality jobs when I was 15 and at school. So, mm. I, you know, I, I remember, I think sort of, I remember going home to dad, I think I was 14 and, and asking him for pocket money, which, you know, God, how old are we? Pocket money. I don't even know if pocket money still exists. But uh, I don't know, one of my friends was getting 30 bucks a week or something, and I sort of pitched to dad, how about 30 bucks a week for, you know, he's like, what, what do you do for that? And I said, oh, I don't know, odd jobs around the house, which he said you're meant to do anyway. And as quick as a flash, he sort of grabbed me by the collar of my shirt and uh, I was still in my school uniform and threw me in the back of the car and drove me to a family friend's pub of which the publican was a good friend of his and he was the head chef and he took me into this commercial kitchen of this place called the ocean child which was this rough and tumble you know palmers and steaks pub in hobart and he said you got a job for sam and he said yep i'll find one for him and sure enough you know from the it was probably on the monday and by the wednesday i was doing my first shift and earning i don't know eight dollars fifty an hour and and I worked three nights a week till I finished school at this pub. Yeah. And and dad, it was very important to my dad to sort of teach me the value of understanding the value of money and hard mm. work. And, you know, these things just don't fall out of the tree or, or come for do, from doing nothing. And so th- those really important life lessons have always been instilled in me. I think then from an entrepreneurial perspective, as I became a personal trainer at I mean, I have had bosses. I've done a couple of gym. I've worked for gyms and that kind of stuff. But, but, but you, you're really. essentially your own boss. Yeah, you're, PTs you're, are. PTs yeah, are yeah. You're a subcontractor. So I was jumping mm-hmm. from gym to gym until I really landed a great role at a gym here in Melbourne as a 20 year old. And you know that that's sort of been it. I've worked for myself ever since. And mm. I, I love controlling my own destiny. I love sort of you know succeed or fail. It's on you. And you know, those things are always easy to say when you've done okay in the last few years, but it definitely wasn't always that way. That's for sure. It's, it's never, never is literally never is. And that like brings me on to the next question of like, it's never smooth. These things are just like a roller. I literally call it a roller coaster. And, um, you know, when I look at your life, from the outside, I can't say too much because, you know, I don't really know you that well, but from the outside, you literally have it all, right? You've got the beautiful wife, you've got the beautiful family, you have the image online, like you're this you know, famous Sam Wood. You have this successful company that you literally created from scratch primarily. Um, and, you know, the attention that you had with The Bachelor, um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, like the fame that it would have brought to you and the opportunities that would have happened. Um, you know, it's not smooth, right? This is what people see. <laughs> no, it's, definitely, it's definitely not smooth. It's anything it's but never, smooth. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> These are all the highlights of people's lives. Like on social yeah. media, everybody shows the highlights of what's actually happening, but nobody really knows what's happening, right? There's always um, a sacrifice that you're making when you're making a choice. So, the choices that you've made, I'm sure you had to sacrifice a lot of things along the way. Can you talk about that and elaborate on the sacrifices that you had to do to be in the position you are today? Yeah, definitely. A lot of sacrifice, a lot of ability to take risks. Um, you know, kind of, so before, before The Bachelor, I had, a, I had a gym, which I still have, and I had a kids' fitness company, which we were 
trying various different ways to to um, to scale to expand without a great deal of success. And so I opened Australia's first ever kids gym called Gecko in uh, 2006 as a 26 year old. Um, yeah. As I one loved training kids and thought it was really important that they weren't exercising or moving enough. And two, thought it was a, a bit of a, a, a hole in the market and a real opportunity. And like many entrepreneurs probably discover, it's all well and good when it's one location and you're there for 70 hours a week. But then when you try to expand, you can't duplicate yourself and, and things aren't as, aren't as simple as just clicking your fingers and having five locations, 10 locations. So we really struggled to to multiply, to expand it out. We tried licensing it to gyms. It didn't really work. We tried franchising. It worked better, but it was not setting the world on fire by any stretch. And when you're trying so many things, you're burning through a lot of cash and a lot of time and a lot of energy to sort of get to that point without necessarily seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But I was very determined slash pig-headed <laughs> and you know, it got to the point I, I had about an eight hundred, maybe $900,000 debt in that business that if it wasn't for the more recent success with 28, I would still be paying off in some way, shape or form to a, to a business partner of mine who, who very, very generously funded the business, a good friend who, was a, who used to be a PT client and liked the concepts, really liked me and, and he put his money behind me and when... I'd go to him and say, mate, we, I think we're this close to cracking it. If I could just have a little bit more money and he'd sort of go, how much more money, Sam? And I'd go, oh, maybe 200000 You know, I think I did that four yeah. times and we never quite got the, you know, the, the magic formula. But it's all, you know, so, so during that period, huge sacrifices. I was working... You know, the, the gecko business wasn't making that much money, so I still had to do lots of PT on the side. So I was working 60, 70 hours a week and I think sacrificing a lot of things from a social perspective in my life at that at that point. Um, but yeah. I feel like those trials and tribulations of gecko were absolutely paramount in the more recent success that I've had with 28 through the things that I learned. So as much as it would have been nice to start 28 without a million dollar debt over my head, I, I do think that debt, you know, I paid for that debt with some very, very valuable business lessons that probably meant 28 got to where it got to. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the success of, of business, like the, the roller coasters that you have to go through or even just going through it to learn the lessons and coming out of it. I, I think a lot of the things that you've done in your business, you would have sacrificed a ton in your personal life, um, which a lot of entrepreneurs go through. And it's such a hot topic that a lot of us talk about, especially me. It's like a thing that I always talk about on my Instagram is relationships and what it's like, you know, in your personal life. And I think for me anyway, because I can only talk for myself, um, I sacrifice a lot in my personal life because I've chose to to focus on other things, which is my career and, and work and business. Um, so how prior to meeting um, SNES, what, how did you, you were an entrepreneur, how did you find dating life? Because that's a roller coaster in itself, especially working for yourself, being ambitious and all those things. How did you find dating life and personal life in general? You can talk about dating, you can talk about friendships yeah, as well. No, Friendships it's a, it's are important. 
No, it's a great question. I actually saw you put something up on your social media the other day about would you like a partner that you build together or would you prefer a partner yes. or would you prefer if you do it separately? And I just thought what a really interesting question that I hadn't really seen I hadn't really seen before. And I feel like I feel like for me I really struggled because there was a part of me that wanted the other, you know, my partner or potential partner to perhaps be an entrepreneur because we'd kind of get each other. And, you know, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs are a bit weird sometimes and you don't necessarily get them unless you are one. But then I also knew how much I wanted a family. So I was, and I'm not saying you can't be an entrepreneur and have a family at the same time. Of course you can, but there's going to have to be some level of sacrifice Sacrifice. there. Mm. And so I was probably conflicted in my, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have these conversations necessarily with a girl that I was on a date on, it might have really confused things. But I, I think probably my own mind, I didn't really know what I wanted and I, you know, I, th- I think when you, as you get older, and I wasn't old, you know, I was in my early 30s, but I don't know, I probably made the mistake of thinking I knew what the potential partner I was going to find looked like on paper. And right. I feel like I perhaps... It just had too narrow a focus or, you know, was it not open-minded enough perhaps? And I, when, I, when I went on The Bachelor, which was such a wacky, crazy thing to do and, you know, it, it all came about a lady at the gym told me I should apply and I didn't even know what the show was and then when I did apply, started getting these, you know, Skype interviews and face-to-face interviews and it all happened. I mean, you say so well, fast. Was, yeah, it was nuts. And it wasn't until I sort of got accepted after a really crazy sort of five or six week period that I was sitting there going, I don't even know what I'm getting myself into. This is like, what am I actually doing right now? They're like taking me to Sydney. I'm moving to Sydney for four months. I can't tell anybody what I'm doing. (laughs) Exactly. And it was like, if I don't do it, I'll now always wonder what if. So I feel like I've come this far. I have to do it. But I do remember, I do remember thinking, right. You're going on this show, which is so crazy. Mm. You need to you need to be open minded. You know, like uh, deep down, I thought, look, there's 20 girls. That's not a huge amount of girls, really, in the whole, yeah. in the whole general scheme of things. I'm That's sure true. there'll be wonderful girls, but. If it's, the girl that I'm meant to spend the rest of my life with is in this house, that's a long shot. You know, I was, I was sort of that being is, that quite, is. A, yeah, being quite a realist. Guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I thought, but, you know, so, but you've got to have an open mind. And, and I really think that, you know, sort of shift for me probably changed everything in my life because, mm. you know, Snezh had Evie, who's now my little girl, who was nine when we met. and hadn't really even thought about, you know, being with a single mum. You know, like it, it, it just it, not, not, not. I hadn't thought I wouldn't, but I hadn't thought about it either way. Yeah. And then when that sort of bombshell got dropped by Snares on the show, like oh, I've actually got a nine-year-old. I just I didn't remember, watch it. I yeah. Well, yeah. It. So I was a yeah. It was a you know. It was a <laughs> yeah. Pretty big moment. It's like oh, I've got something I'm going to tell you type thing, and it was like holy crap, that's big, and. I just think because I had this, no, no, I said I was going to have this open mind. I was like, great, you know, like can't wait to meet her. Yeah, and, and why it, not? Know, like, obviously it's all, everything's, as we said, easy in retrospect and the rest is history and now we have four beautiful girls and, I mean, fuck me, I pin- we pinch ourselves every day and, and laugh about it so much. But it's, 
Yeah, just it's hard. Cra- yeah, the craziest thing I've ever done, the best thing I've ever done, the hardest thing I've ever done. And yeah, I mean, none of the, you know, I met Snares and we have our beautiful family. That's, you know, 100 times the, the best thing that's ever come out of it. But it's also been wonderful for business, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. But it's it's so funny. So, like, are you telling us that we need to go on The Bachelor? And no, 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 <laughs> I'm like definitely not. go no, become just, a bachelorette no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> to find love? Oh, absolutely not. I, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's for everybody. Although I think someone like you, they might shake things up pretty pretty radically. <laughs> um, I, no, I just think like sometimes we we limit ourselves. I think by thinking yeah. we know what that person has to be, or we know that person has to look like, and there could be some incredible person, you know, in this sliding door moment that you're going to miss out on meeting because you perhaps thought you knew what was going to, what it, what it had to look like. And sometimes don't overthink it and, and an opportunity that you don't expect might, might present itself, I guess, is my, my wise romantic words for to, everybody out you there. You have to take the risk. Take yeah, the you do. risk, you basically. Do. Yeah. yeah, throw yourself out there for sure. What, what's but, the know, worst that can happen? Exactly. But I think, you know, in, in dating life, like I don't want to talk about this too much because there's so much I want to talk about, but in on being an entrepreneur and, and being so driven and, and so laser focused on your goals and your why and your purpose and all those things, we all have separate milestones and it, it's really difficult. Like for men, it's easier for women that are this type of, you know, or have this type of milestone. It's extremely difficult because we've got timelines to have children. You know, we, we, I'm not, look, there are women out there that are having children at like 42, 45, 50, like, which is amazing. But a lot of us, you know, um, have a a timeline, which is like, Mm. you know, mid thirties type of thing. So we have to think about these things a lot faster (laughs) and make the right decisions. We can't just like go through shit and then figure it out. But um, yeah, it's extremely difficult. Um, But going back to my question, which I mentioned on Instagram, would you rather build with someone? Uh, <laughs> or- yeah. No, no, build with someone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Snez and I have built 28 together. It's obviously I'm the fitness guy, so I'm more of the face of it. But but you're building together in so many different ways. You know, like every big idea I bounce off Snez at the dinner table or while we're having a glass of wine when the kids are in bed, you know, she's such a huge integral part of the fair. I mean, my program is 90% women and I'm a man and so many of the women love snares and Mm. say, you know, we've got pregnancy programs and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. You know, it's the perfect program for mums because it's all based at home. You know, so there's a, there's, there's parallels with it everywhere. And then there's the, well, also, if you don't share the load looking after the kids and then mm. none of it can happen because, you know, you, if you don't have someone who understands, you know, what it takes and how the sacrifices you need to make and you don't sort of make those compromises and sacrifices together, well, then neither of you will, succe- neither of you will succeed. And, you know, Snares had done a uh, <clears throat> biotechnology and genetics degree as a single mum that she then went on The Bachelor and she's never used it. So she's got this kind of itch that she feels still needs to be scratched and there's so much okay. that she wants to do. Um, 
Amazing. Th- th- this this roller coaster sort of took off, and it was like, well, let's let's just see where this goes because it, it, yeah. it's a fairly crazy opportunity, and we'd be silly not to. And I think neither of us in our wildest dreams that it would get to the heights that it had. So there's there's a, there's all kinds of you know with you know, and next thing we've got four kids, not one, and it's it's all uh, it's all systems go. I mean, we have a a five month old, a three year old, and a five year old. Oh, so things are, things are pretty excellent, <laughs> as well as Evie, who's now seventeen. So yeah, things are. Things oh are. my gosh, what a family! What a family! Yeah. All girls too. All, all girls. Stuff. Oh, yeah. girls. No boys, only. No, I, I look at your boys. stuff, girl power, girl power all the way with that, with my family. But. I love it. I love it. Um, I want to talk about imposter syndrome because you mentioned with all of this and you, you keep mentioning it just now when we're talking is you never thought in your wildest dreams these things would happen. Mm. Like back then, if you were to look at yourself, you'd be like, holy crap. Like I would never think I'd get a merger of $70 million. Like that's just fucking mm. insane. So you had a moment where you had imposter syndrome of not believing in yourself, not believing in yourself, but like, I wouldn't say not believing in yourself, but you had a moment where you were like, holy shit. Like, did I even deserve this? Like, how did this even happen? I've had, I've had several moments. Yeah. Talk me through that because, you know, selfishly, this is things that I, I go through and I think it's also relationships that I'm in as well with men, um, certain men, you know, it's really hard for them to accept women that are, that are doing well or, or somewhat successful. So I constantly have imposter syndrome, like, Oh, maybe that's not real, you know, or, or maybe I need to take a step down and, and just chill out for a sec. Um, talk me through that. Like, how did you get into that and how did you get out of it? You know, it's funny. I, I, um, I was experiencing it without even knowing what it was called or that it had this official title. You know, I was, I was kind of early on when 28 really took off and it was just crazy sort of, you know, the, 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 uh, I don't know, the notoriety and the, how quickly my profile increased through, you know, television and then social media and everything else. And then how quickly 28 was growing as a business. And you sort of have these moments where you sort of stop and, and you think to yourself, is this real? And you're a bit scared that, it, you know, what goes up must come down and it can, the bubble can burst at any time. It can all sort of come crashing down around you. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's, there's always, you know, you'd be well aware that this tall poppy that exists in Australia, oh, like people sort of want to yeah. see you doing well until you are. And then they're very quick to try and pull you down. And when you've got a profile, there's obviously a lot of articles flying around in the media and, so there, there was a lot, a lot, just a lot going on. I just, I just find these moments where, you know, I, I very rarely sort of stopped to reflect and stopped to smell the roses or stopped to congratulate myself with the little milestones. That was definitely an error that I made that I, I now I still don't do it as much as I probably should, but I definitely do it more than I used to. And, and I feel like because those sort of deep breath contemplation reflection moments were missing, that I would just be going at a million miles an hour and often mm. just get a bit overwhelmed and and just go, shit, where, like, where am I going? Like I, I've <laughs> stolen the car and I've put my foot to the floor and I don't, like, I'm, I'm going to crash this thing, you know? I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it was like, just, just stop. And, you know, like, it's interesting because, 
everyone sort of said to me, oh, you know, now you've got this like profile, you get invited to all these events and all this kind of stuff and you never sort of go to them. And yeah. and I sort of went the other way and so did Snedge. We were um, like it's like the more well-known that we got and the more of these opportunities that present. I think being parents was definitely a good thing because it, we didn't really want to go to these things, we want to spend time with our family. but. Mm. We actually went inwardly. We were like, no, well, now you just sort of crave spending time with the people that know you before the show and your oh closest friends and your closest totally. family. So everyone, totally. like, there's a lot of people from these shows that we went on that they go the other way. It's kind of going to the opening and envelope and want to be everywhere and we're yeah. the opposite and just wanting to spend, you know, like we wouldn't even go out to uh, restaurants would have dinner parties at home instead, you know, like, and yeah, it was just, uh, I really, that was a really sort of important part of just, just keeping things in check, just spending lots of time with people who will keep you grounded, tell you how it is, you know, you can go to them and they actually want the best for you. They don't have an agenda. They're going to give you a really yeah. open, honest answer. Cause, cause it's a, it's a crazy it's a crazy rise and, you know, part of me was a bit overwhelmed and part of me was really, really determined to not stuff this up. Like I just, I couldn't, it's almost like when you don't have anything, you never have those thoughts because what are you losing? And then as soon as you've built something significant, mm. it's sort of this natural fear of, oh, my God, imagine if I lost this, I'd never be able to live with myself if I lost this thing that I've worked yeah. so hard to build. So there was, yeah, there was some anxious moments as the business got bigger and as the stakes got higher, I guess you'd say. So do you feel like... um going through this by coming out of it was a, a reflection thing. Like you reflected yeah. more on, on your day or your week or your month and you were grateful or practicing gratitude versus yeah. um, giving yourself more pressure and, you know, feeling more overwhelmed. Um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the many habits that I have now that are better, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I used to be a, just a bit erratic and like as the, as my team was smaller too, you know, mm. you're wearing all these hats, you're trying to juggle all these balls, you're trying to do it all yourself. You're a bit untrusting of other people. You say no one can do that with as much care or as well as I can. So I better do it myself. And, and you just, you find, you know, you find yourself drowning a bit. And mm. so one of my very close friends became CEO of my business five years ago, David Jackson. And, we would not have had anywhere near the success that we've had without him. I hand on heart know that that's fact. And he's a super, super smart guy that I love and I trust entirely. And he feels the same way, but has wonderful business acumen and business experience and having him by my side and knowing that the stuff that I wasn't very good at was being done by someone who I trusted entirely and was better at it than me and yeah. um, and was really good at those things just meant I could spend more time, okay. less time thinking about worrying about that stuff and more time doing the stuff that I did better. And, yeah, we saw huge growth with 28 once we sort of reached a, a much healthier uh, sort of operating rhythm between the two of us rather than, you know, a smaller team of five or six people and just trying to do everything myself. And going on the the, the CEO, um, your friend, 
like, can you run through how the, the recent news happened of the 7 million? Was it 7 million merger? Was it 7 million? 71. 71. Uh, seven, seven, uh, se- which, you know, those numbers get bandied around. I haven't definitely haven't made $71 million. Yeah, lo- but- lots of people are talking about different others. I just want to double check. So a 71 yeah. million merger, like how did this happen? Did they just reach out to you? Did they, well, like we want to, buy- I'm sure you've had multiple. No, no, it was, it was part of a more, it was, so we, we were getting, we were getting those taps on the shoulder mm-hmm. probably from three years ago. And that was kind of the catalyst for us to go, look, we weren't necessarily looking to sell the business or merge the business, but we probably should start thinking about the future. And, yeah. you know, 28 is my baby. I, I was very, I do not want to sell 28. I, I feel like we're really only just getting started in this incredibly exciting tech space and we're helping so many people and I love coming to work every day. And that literally has not changed in seven years and I don't think will change for the next seven. I love that. But you also want to make sure that you do it smart and that you are running the business in a way that you maximise the value. So, Mm. I mean, that $71 million figure was the valuation that was given on our business and then we didn't sell. We did a merger with this incredible company called MyDNA, which is a – they've got offices in Melbourne and uh, Houston and we are – 28 hasn't really changed. We're just doing things exactly how we have done. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And our team uh, laser focused on growing 28 now with more resources to add more app features and do all this really cool stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, some really exciting projects to do from a DNA perspective, DNA wellness perspective that we're working on as well. So oh, it's, cool. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting, exciting space. Um, and so, I mean, we talk about moments of sort of contemplation and reflection. That was definitely one of those moments where we definitely took a big, deep breath and we were really, really proud of how far we'd come, that's for sure. But as you say, it never ends. And, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, we literally had a dinner and a glass of champagne and there were some hugs and some tears. And then it was kind of, I think it was Easter weekend. And then by the like Easter Tuesday, we were back in the office and, rolling our sleeves up and going again so it's yeah um, yeah there's still there's there's some super exciting stuff in the pipeline and um yeah i I can't wait to i I just i love building stuff you know like i love love building relationships i love i love transforming stuff whether it's helping someone transform their body or transforming a business and growing a business that uh, that's just that's me excited and you know like I wouldn't be able to tell you what hours I work a week. I'd never counted them. It's just get up, get some exercise in, spend some quality time with the kids and then get into work as quickly as I can. That's such a, um, an interesting way to say it. Like, you know, with the body, like when you mentioned body, it's like body and mind is like, to me, the same, same thing. It's very similar. If you're not doing something in your body, then there's something wrong with your mind and the same yeah. vice versa. So like, can you just run through lastly, um, you know, with your routines and how much well-being mean, like how important it is and what does it mean to you? Like what's a day in Sam yeah. Wood's life around those two things? Uh, the, the parallels between, I mean, you, you're spot on, body and mind should not be separated, but also the parallels between you being mentally and physically fit and mm. being 
business fit. You know, like there's parallels absolutely everywhere. If you've got routine and discipline and good habits and structure and, you know, you're efficient with your time, you're going to have success with both. So, I mean, I'm a massive believer in moving in the morning. I think more from, you know, I'm 42 now. I'm not so concerned about having six packs or any of that crap. It's more, you know, practice what I preach, obviously take care of myself because it's a fitness business. But for me, it's that's where I I, it keeps me mentally sharp and it boosts my energy and it boosts my mood. I'm a much happier person. I'm a much nicer person to be around. I have much more energy and productivity when I move my body in the morning. So I do a 28-minute workout of some description every morning, nice and early. Um, and, and then for me, it's, I'm not an office person as in, I, I don't like sitting down at my desk for two oh my hours, gosh, three hours, four too. hours. Yeah. I, so I, I love to keep busy, you know, whether it's half an hour on a project there or a whiteboard session or, you know, doing my podcast or in my gym. So I'm sort of here, there and everywhere always, but, um, you know, there's always a million crazy, stupid ideas flying through my head and I sort of throw them out there and then we sort of work through what can stick and that's what having this incredible team allows me to do where, you know, they help bring these ideas to fruition or at least test them and if they don't work, they don't work. But, um, yeah, and and then then it's taking care of myself from a nutrition perspective, just three healthy meals. I tend to eat quite late. I tend to eat breakfast around 10 or 11 and eat breakfast and dinner quite early. So I'll eat within a sort of seven or eight hour window. Um, I drink coffee. I drink alcohol, but I try to limit the alcohol. What's Uh, like a a beverage that you would drink usually? uh, I like beer, but I love, you know, I'll have a red wine or something like that. But um, yeah, I I love red wine, um, but I, I also love having a beer with my mates. But yeah, I try to have at least five alcohol free days a week. And then, then the, the one where I was really bad was the slowing down, you know, anything that was good to speed me up, you know, eating well, coffee, training, I was good. It kind of was like, that's what I want to do. So I do it. You know, I I, get that immediate feedback of I'm, I'm, it gets me up and going. It was the things to slow me down that I've, um, I'm still at about a four out of 10, if I'm being honest, you know. Like meditation, yoga. Yeah, any kind of stretching, meditation, mindfulness, journaling, reflecting, even going to bed earlier, you know, just that sort of busy brain, um, you know, struggle to wind down a little bit. So so -hmm. that's kind of my my focus at the moment. I'm, I'm very good at winding myself up in the morning. I'm not so good at winding myself down at night. I'm laughing, yeah. I feel like this is me. I feel like I try, I try so hard to be that person. I want to be like Naval Ravikant, who's like my hero. Um, but it's extremely difficult. Holy shit. Like I can't sit still for an hour. No, and look, this I I can't. This is the thing. I mean, it's I don't really talk about this routine stuff that much because I'm, I'm not a I'm routine person. I'm far I'm from perfect at it. You know, like as soon as I feel like I'm getting the hang of it, it go, you know, I, I go and get drunk with my friends and it all kind of goes to shit. And and, yeah. it's, and, and like you said before, everyone sort of has this perception through social media that like, oh my God. you have the life. Like we get messages all the time. How do you guys have such a balance? We don't. We don't. Yeah, Our yeah. life is very chaotic. 
Um, you know, like most families and parents, it's hard. It's stressful. It's it's all Mm -hmm. over the shop. We just we just try our best, and um, you know, if you can, you know, get through. It's it's you know, it's survival, but with 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 a really nice Mm -hmm. purpose, I guess. Yeah, but not even that. Like you know, just what you were saying about um, reflection. It's people get get so caught up in doing or being, but it's like. What about now? Like mm. be be focused on what's happening now. Like reflect on what's happening. Be happy for what you have. You have a roof mm. over your head. You have food on the table. You have loving people around you. You have beautiful relationships. Like you've got money coming into the bank. Like that is something that you should be happy for. But it's like people are constantly trying to, you know, want more. Like it's like I, I can't, I'm not going to be happy until I get married. I'm mm. not going to be happy until I have a kid. I'm not going to be happy until I make a hundred million. I'm not going to be happy until, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to happen until I have that sports car or that house or that wife or that husband. It, there's always something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up. This has been such an amazing conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, like with everything, life itself, wellness, entrepreneurship, business. I would, I'd love for you to um, end it off with giving something, I guess, to the audience um, and I guess let it flow off your mind, whatever that would be. It could be personal. It could be business. What advice um, would you give to anyone listening right now um, that you feel like they should know? So one of them we touched on, and that was having that ability to let go and entrust others that are experts in areas that you've not that you're not. I, I definitely think I always sort of knew what I was good at, but I was a bit whether it was my ego or whatever, I was not that good at letting relinquishing responsibility in there as I wasn't good at. And so understanding what you're not good at and, and filling those gaps with people that are, I think is really important. And then probably from a more big picture B because I, I'd had a gym and it was doing okay. And I had a kid's fitness program that was up and down and round and round, but never reached anywhere near the heights that I dreamt of. Just don't give up. Just don't stop. If you're an entrepreneur at heart and your first one, two, ten things don't work, don't not try again. Don't sell your soul and take the nine-to-five job and play it safe because it's just not who you are and you'll never be happy and you've just got to keep trying till you crack it. That's such great advice. Never give up. Well, we can literally do anything we want to do if we really put our minds to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. Totally. Humans totally. are amazing. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading, you know, reading all the books. I'm sure you've read the Richard Branson books and all this stuff. And, you know, he sort of says 20 years to become an overnight success. And you sort of don't really understand what that means until you, you're kind of in the same boat. <laughs> this shit takes forever. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's a life. You're committed to life. <laughs> yeah. Married. We're married to this. But if you <laughs> love it, who cares? Yeah, exactly. If you, if you love your job, you're in the, I don't know, 5% Absolutely. Dial. If you don't love it, like, you know, going back on that advice, if you don't love entrepreneurship and if you don't love it, then then it's time to give up, time to yeah. quit and, and do something that you actually love. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, Absolute where people, pleasure. Where can people find you or reach out to you if they want to join the app or 
reach out yeah. about anything. Yeah. If you want to join my 28 program, that's 28 by samwood.com. And if you want to just connect and uh, catch up, it's probably best through Instagram, which is just at Sam James Wood. And if you've got any questions, you need any help or just want to reach out and say, Hey, by all means do so. Thank you so much. Thanks B. Thanks for listening to Startups and Unicorns with Belinda Agnew. If you haven't already, be sure to follow the show. X-Enabler is your one-stop tech innovation partner, creating unmatched digital solutions and turning tech visions into a reality. For more information, visit xenabler.digital. Get in touch with Belinda by following at Belinda Agnew Official.